Welcome to Real Talk Business Conversations by Balanced in Pink. This podcast is a no BS approach to the hottest business topics surrounding career growth and how it applies to your career. If you are looking for ways to progress your career, make more income, gain clarity surrounding business topics, or get that promotion you've been eyeing up, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Kari Kohal, career and leadership coach, consultant, and president of a multi-million dollar financial brokerage company. In this episode, we will discover if your team is holding you back from career growth and how to know if you work on a dysfunctional team that is sabotaging your opportunity for growth. And of course, as we do in every episode, we will share what to do right away that can help you get through a situation like this. In the first episode, is it time to find a new position? I think that was my, actually, I know. (laughs) It was my first episode, first season, first ever podcast aside from the trailer. So go check it out. Actually, it was really, really good for being the first ever. Uh, But in that episode, I skimmed over the topic of the five dysfunctions of a team where Patrick Lencioni pioneered this thing called the five dysfunctions of a team. And those five dysfunctions, he's narrowed down that any team that struggles, struggles with these five dysfunctions. So what are they? Well, number one is absence of trust. Two is the fear of conflict. So your team's afraid of conflict. Third one, lack of commitment. Your team's afraid to commit to anything. Fourth, avoidance of accountability. And fifth one is inattention to results. So without trust or productive conflict, accountability, and you have ego-driven results, you lose a lot of career growth potential, such as new opportunities that might come by, relationship building, where a lot of corporate America promotions, where you see these people get promotions and you're like, how the heck did you even get that? Your experience is not matching with your job title. It's most likely because they knew someone, so they played the politics. A nice way of putting that, that I put it, is relationship building, but it's playing politics. You have to get people on your side. More experience, leadership building skills, and you lose out on personal brand building. And these are all things that help you get noticed and earn promotions. So the quick answer is yes, your team is holding you back from career growth if it is A, toxic, or B, grossly dysfunctional. So let's break down the five dysfunctions of a team, cross-examine it with toxic team environments to identify if your team is holding you back and what to ask yourself to identify if your dysfunctional team is sabotaging your opportunity for growth. Patrick Lencioni, when he was writing out these five dysfunctions of a team, they all kind of coincide with each other and build off of each other. So if you have a lack of trust, you're going to be afraid of conflict. And if you're afraid of conflict, then you're not going to commit. And if you're not going to commit to anything, how are you going to hold anybody accountable? And if you're not holding anybody accountable, how can your team have great results? So if you you can't have one without the other is essentially when we're going through these, I want you to think of that, of you can't have one without the other and each one builds on each other. So the foundation of a functional team is 
trust. And this isn't just, I trust that my team member is going to get me this report on time, or I trust that the quality of my team member's work is like mine. It's not that kind of trust. That's good trust too, because that's just predictable trust or predictability trust. This is vulnerable trust. So this is when you share a weak spot and you trust that your team members aren't going to use it against you. And if you're in a dysfunctional team, no one can say, hey, I need help. I don't know how to do this. Or your team members are not acknowledging their weaknesses saying, you know, I'm really bad at checking my Outlook calendar. Can you please help me with that? I need help with that so that I can get things done when you need them done. Let me, or can you please help me? And I want to, I want you to ask yourself right now, when was the last time someone admitted a weakness or asked for help in your team? And this trust that we're talking about, this vulnerability, this trust isn't about knowing we can count on each other, right? It's not, like I said, hey, we're going to get this report in time. It's about knowing that you will be vulnerable when it gets hard. So when there is some type of conflict and knowing that you can trust each other, that they're not going to use it against you or blackmail you, right? So no one is better than an apology. That's a big one. When was the last time someone apologized? So when was the last time someone admitted a weakness or that they needed help? And when was the last time someone apologized for letting someone else down? And no one is better than an apology. I want to make that really, 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 really clear. No one is better than an apology. Just because you apologize for something doesn't mean that you're bad at your job. And if someone's going to hold it against you because you apologize that you look weak, then we're jumping into toxicity. That's toxic. (laughs) That's not dysfunctional. That's straight up toxic. So not apologizing can block everything else in the function of your team and not being vulnerable can block all these other functions of your team. The second dysfunction is everybody's afraid of conflict or only one person is ready for conflict or ready for battle and it's not productive conflict. (laughs) They're just in it. They are in it. They, something's going on with them and they are ready to take it out on the team or at work. In this stage, this is where everyone is afraid of ruffling feathers and speaking out. And what drives this is no one trusting each other or having that lack of trust. So no one wants to speak out because how many times have you been in a meeting where no one talks and just the leader talks and then they'll ask questions and no one says anything or they'll just be like, yep, we agree with you. It's just like blind agreeance. It's because if they speak out, they don't trust that the response that comes back from everybody else is going to be a positive response. If they speak out, it might be, oh my gosh, I can't believe um, Alex is asking a question again. Why is she asking a question again? God, she's so dumb. She doesn't understand. So Alex isn't going to ask a question because she's afraid that she's going to come off as dumb or slow 
right? Or like slow to pick up on things. And that's not the case at all. Everybody learns differently. Everybody processes things differently. If you have it afraid of conflict that just is permeating through your entire team, your team tables uncomfortable issues. So if something starts to become an uncomfortable topic where you are going to have disagreements, where it might cause some conflicts, you table it. You go, oh, this meeting isn't about that. We can talk about that later. Avoidance is, that is classic avoidance. Or they want to have side conversations like, hey, this conversation or this meeting isn't about that, but stop into my office later and we can talk about it. That also sets the stage for triangular communication. So if you listen to episode one about is it time to find a new position, I kind of break down what triangular communication is. Um, it's adding a third party to your same conversation and it gets really messy really fast. Another big thing here about conflict, being nice is different than being kind. Have you seen a lot of promotion around being kind? I've seen a lot of it. I've actually seen yard signs that say like, be kind. And that always, that intrigues me a little bit because I'm going, oh, what do you mean by be kind? What's the purpose of this? And why would you put it in your lawn? But being nice is distancing yourself from a situation and it's distancing yourself from empathy. And kindness comes from compassion and empathy. So you feel for that person. You've you're compassionate towards that person. It's not just, hey, how's your day? Good, good. And then move on. Yeah, that's nice. It's nice to say thank you. It's not kind, but it is nice. So you should be nice, but you also should be kind. But it's hard to be kind if you don't have that foundation of trust in your team. Another one, people are disengaged and passionate about or not passionate about the truth. So no one asks questions. No one talks about ideas. No one brainstorms. It's just whatever the leader wants, the leader gets. And that's what you do. It's default authoritative management, not because your leader wants to be authoritative. It's because it's the default because no one asks questions and no one brainstorms with them. So it's pretty much their way or the highway because there's nothing else to go off of to work on. So ask yourself, when you have conflict in your team, is it productive conflict? Are you guys working through for a goal of a solution to have a better result? Or is the conflict arguing about things that don't really matter about the end result or about the goal of your team? And if you guys are arguing about things or you're not saying anything, there's complacency, that's not productive and you need productive conflict in a team to be successful. You have to brainstorm. You have to give ideas and show your perspective. That is your value on that team. There's a reason that your company made your team. It's so that you guys can share your perspectives for a better end result. And if you're not doing that, because you guys are afraid of conflict because there's a lack of trust, then you're not only doing your career a disservice, but your team's also doing the company a disservice. 
And if everybody's playing the silent game, then you're getting into the third dysfunction of a team, which is inability to commit. So no one is really committed to the efficacy of the team. No one really cares about the results of the team because they just want to do their job and leave. It's almost like quiet quitting. So if you listen to episode two, we talk about quiet quitting. That's the inability to commit. There's like a little bit of overlap there. And if people don't weigh in in meetings, so if the leader says or your manager says, hey, this is a way that we're going to do this or here's how we're going to approach this and no one weighs in, no one's going to buy in. So if you're not giving your opinion or no other team member, if you are a manager or leader and no other team member is giving their ideas or brainstorming or giving their opinion or feedback at all because they're afraid of conflict, they're not going to buy into what you gave them. And we all know that the more bought in an employee is, the more productive and the better the work that they give you. So the inability to commit and the inability to share ideas impacts the quality of the team. And I'm going to leave you on this one with you can disagree and still commit. You can still say, I don't agree with this approach, but I commit to this team and I'm here for this team. So we'll try it this way. I'll give you my feedback later. It's not, and you're not doing it out of to stick it to the man or to show them kind of thing. That's toxic. Don't do that. It's more of you can disagree with the approach, but still commit to your team. Fourth one is unwillingness to hold anybody accountable. So it's unwillingness for other team members to be held accountable and also for peers to hold each other accountable. So no one takes accountability for any task or any result. So if something goes bad, no one says, oh, I'm sorry about that. That was my bad. I won't do that again. Or a task. So a task doesn't get done and no one's being held accountable to get that task done. Or let's say the manager leader says, hey, this is what we're going to do. No one holds each other accountable. The manager and leader doesn't hold them accountable because they don't have trust in their team either and they're afraid of conflict because at the end of the day, yes, they might be the manager or leader. They're still your peer and any healthy leader or manager wants to still be your peer. They want to be there for you. I don't think any manager, if they got there the right way, is doing it to make quick power. I mean, that would be, it does happen. So I'm not going to say it didn't happen. That's why um, go back to the first episode of is it time to find a new position to see if you're just working in a toxic work environment altogether because your company might condone or um, might promote toxic leadership. That might be what they think works best. But going back to accountability, you must have trust to hold someone accountable. For example, I personally... I'm never going to go up to someone on my team. If I were to work on a team where I didn't have trust in anyone, I was afraid of conflict, I didn't want to commit to anything. The last thing I'm going to do is walk up to a team member and say, hey, you didn't turn in that report and that really hurt our team. No way, no way would I ever do that. So if you don't want to hold someone accountable because you guys have really weak um, trust 
and are afraid of conflict and no one really commits to anything, you are not alone. You are definitely not alone there. Um, but there is ways to fix it. So you must have trust in order to hold each other accountable. And I would say accountability, holding people accountable is really, really hard. So start with offering help where you need it of being reminded of simple tasks or reminded of simple things. If no one on your team even wants to say the word accountability, use the word reminder. It's less, um, it comes off less negative than accountability. Accountability inherently just comes off as like a negative thing because growing up, our parents technically held us accountable when we got punished or got grounded. That's holding us accountable. So it comes off as a negative thing, but there is positive accountability that really, really helps your team and your career. You hold yourself accountable every single day by having a to-do list and checking it off. Offer where you need help being reminded. That's a really good start. So being like what I said earlier in this episode of, hey, I'm really bad at checking my calendar. Can you please help me check my calendar? Um, or remind me of the meeting. It's not that I don't want to go to the meeting. It's like, I'm going to get distracted and I'm not going to remember to come. So can you please remind me to come? Because it really means a lot to me. That is a really good way of setting the stage and being the leader of accountability in your team. A, A thing of unwillingness to hold each other accountable, a red flag there is no one calls out team members' behavior that hurts the team. When was the last time someone called out another team member? Not the manager, not the leader, another peer. So a member to a member. When was the last time someone called them out for that and saying, hey, that hurt our team? And the thing here is it's everyone's job on the team, not just the leaders to hold each other accountable because you're looking at the team as one whole unit and you want that team to do well. And like I said, it's easier to do with do this with trust. If you don't have trust, it's nearly impossible. I mean, I would be running for the hills if there wasn't trust in the team. And I had to tell someone that what they did hurt us. I know I set myself up for this one, but the fear of accountability of others is selfish because we don't want people mad at us. And I 100% do not want people mad at me. I am inherently a people pleaser. But I do know and what got me to where I am of being the president of a multi-million dollar company and being a career and leadership coach was being comfortable with the uncomfortable because inherently I'm a people pleaser and I use that to my advantage, but I also had to give hard news when I knew I had to for the betterment of the team. The fear of accountability is selfish. That helps us kind of do that reminders to start practicing accountability. And the last one here is inattention to collective results of the team. This one seems pretty obvious, right? If you don't trust each other, right? (laughs) You're afraid of conflict. So no one talks about anything. No one commits to anything and no one wants to keep anybody on track and hold them accountable. Why would we ever think that that team would post really, really great results? No way. No way, because they're spending most of their time and effort fighting each other than they are getting to the collective end goal of the team and hitting those responsibilities. So the last one is the inattention to the collective results of the team. Team members don't take responsibility if the results are less than. They say it's someone else's fault. It's not their job. There's a lot of it's not my job. If someone was a marketer, but they could tell that 
Um, so someone was in charge of marketing a program, but they could tell that the sales guy is needing help because they don't really understand what's being marketed. They go, mm, that's not my job. That's the sales guy's job to figure that out or saleswoman's job to figure that out. And that hurts everybody. If your salesperson doesn't know what they're, what the marketing people are marketing, why would you think that that would go well for anybody? There is no stick it to the person. You can't do that on a team. It's very ego driven. Everybody's in it for themselves on the team. They're just there to collect their paycheck essentially. And you're doing it, not you, but in general, the team members are doing it so that they can gloat about themselves. They're not doing it for the betterment of the team. And if you're in a team like this, this absolutely is sabotaging your career growth because on your resume, you can't say, hey, we did this amount of growth or we brought in this amount of revenue. You can't do that if your team isn't posting good results and you're not going to post good results if you're working on a toxic or highly dysfunctional team. And if everybody on your team is focused on themselves and the results of the team, you might think you're growing your career or someone might think that they're growing their career because they're in it for themselves. It's not, it's not helping. Now you have a good foundation of what makes up a dysfunctional team or a toxic team. If there's a lot of arguing, if it's a lot of you're in it for yourself kind of thing, if it's a lot of blaming, that is toxic. Dysfunction is quiet. It's kind of more passive aggressive. If you're in straight up toxic or aggressiveness in your team, if there is just aggression everywhere, that's toxic. And I really, really encourage you to go back to episode one to see if it's worth it. But what to do? Here's what to do. I have three main things. And then it goes into a side thing. But here are my three main things. Start by doing a quick assessment of your perspective of the team the way it is right now, today. Write down what you think a functional team embodies and what it looks like. Because that can be a goal down the road. Whatever you write down of what you think a functional team should be and what it should look like, then you know what to look for in the future or how to build a team to what you want in the future. But If you want to look for an assessment, a good way to assess if your team's dysfunctional or not with guided questions, there is, if you buy the book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, just search it on Amazon, search it on Barnes and Noble. You can even do, if you do scribed uh, audiobooks, they also have documents on scribed. Scribed is actually really, really amazing. This is not a paid ad, (laughs) but... If you're looking for something like Audible, but better, definitely look and described uh, because they mix podcasts with audiobooks, with written books and documents. It's amazing. But uh, if you like hand written stuff or you like paper in your hand, physical paper, definitely buy the book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. There is an assessment in there that can help guide you. And you'll definitely need that for the second half of this. The second thing, or the second part. The second thing to do is gauge how many opportunities, relationship building, experience, and leadership building skills have you inadvertently passed up because your team is functional or dysfunctional chaos. So are they functional chaos or is it dysfunctional chaos? How many opportunities went by? How many relationship building opportunities went by? How much experience opportunity went by? And 
were you passing up leadership building skills because you guys were so worried about arguing with each other and you guys are so angry and resentful of each other that you weren't able to have a positive environment to learn more leadership skills or relationship building. And the third one is ask yourself this very hard question. Is it worth the effort to recenter or rebuild your team? Are you willing to be the leader in doing this? Or will it just keep holding you back in your career? Keep in mind, if you take this on, it will not be easy. But there needs to be someone that pioneers fixing the dysfunctions in your team. And if you're the one listening to this podcast, you're interested in doing that. And you need a leader to pioneer that into your team. It doesn't mean that you're the manager of the team in the sense of whatever the higher ups on your team to where they report to expect. They just expect you guys are a functional team. And when you're not, it's up to you guys as the team members to fix that. Um, That's one thing I'll just throw out there. So keep in mind, if you take this on, it won't be easy, but you will be learning leadership skills experience if you do it. And if you're hesitant, be sure to listen to my first episode of is it time to find a new position? Meaning, is it time to find a new job position? Is it time to find a new team? Is it time to find a new company? But if you think your team can be rectified and you say, yes, we can rebuild, then I want you to do these things. Introduce the five dysfunctions of a team in a very passive way, just being like when you're talking to people on your team, just be like, hey, I'm really interested in this um, five dysfunctions of a team. Have you heard about it? I would love to share it. And then share with them a big macro view of kind of what the five dysfunctions are that you learned here today in this podcast and be like, I'm really interested in it. I'll let you know what I find out when I keep learning about it. And then you're going to go back and be like, hey, I learned about this. Hey, I learned about this. So you're going to do this like soft introduction to the five dysfunctions of a team so it doesn't come off as accusatory. Then call a meeting with people that are also interested with it and be like, hey, let's learn about this together. That's always something to offer. If another team member is like, oh, I would love to learn more about that, then maybe you guys set up a book club or something where you guys talk about it, or you guys can sign up for a group coaching class with me and we can go over it and talk about it just to give a stage. Um, If you are interested in career coaching or leadership skill building plans, I am definitely available. I'm a career and leadership coach and would love to help you out there. So if you are interested, please reach out balancedinpink at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at balancedinpink or on our website, balancedinpink.com. I will link in our description as well, um, where to find me. So if you are interested in that, I am definitely accepting new clients right now. So let's do it. Then do the assessment going back to what to do. Then go do the assessment as a team. Start with what everyone answered the most, then work from there. If everybody answered, no one holds each other accountable, start small. Start there and be like, okay, everybody, let's remind each other of one thing. So tell me one thing that you need help being reminded of. That's a great way to start. It's a really easy way into practicing accountability. But start where everyone answered the most of where they're lacking and then work from there. If your results as a team aren't where they should be, then go back from the start or go back to the start and debrief from trust down. Start with rebuilding from trust and work your way down. 
So go from trust, then go into conflict, then go into an inability to commit, and then go into accountability. And then the results of the team will just fall into place. So that one, there isn't really much active that you have to do. That one just kind of happens. It's a result of the other four. If you don't know what the collective team needs improving, nothing will change. So you have to figure out what needs to be improving. And it can't just be what you think needs to be improved. It needs to be collectively from your team members. And one thing to remember when this gets messy and hard is it's exciting to assess and rebuild a team. It should be a fun activity. It should be a relationship building activity with your team. And when you guys get through it, you guys are going to be stronger than ever. Truly, you really will be stronger than ever. In summary, if it feels like dysfunctions you are living through are just another day in the office, then it might be time to leave. I caution you though to really give management an opportunity to create a game plan and fix the problem prior to your departure. You only have one reputation and you definitely want to protect that in your career building and your career growth journey. You want to protect your reputation and this is your career reputation. Doing an assessment first on your own, figuring out what you want out of this and how it fits into your career growth is so important for your success. Then pitch the idea of the assessment to your team. So do your part first and then if it sounds right, then do a soft introduction about the five dysfunctions of a team and that activity. Remember though, no team is perfect and that is okay. I love celebrating the imperfectness of our team. I don't even know if that's a word, imperfectness, but I love celebrating that we are not perfect. But what we do that makes us great is that we appreciate, we respect, and we leverage each other's natural abilities. Truly, nothing is perfect. Actually, nothing is perfect. So if you're going into this thinking that you're going to build the perfect team or else you're going to leave, then you're just going to set yourself up for disaster because nothing is perfect. Truly nothing. So to expect your team to be perfect when you have multiple working professionals all coming together to work towards the same thing, if you think that's going to be perfect, you are setting yourself up for a world of disappointment. This brings us to the end of this episode. I hope you guys found value in everything that we talked about today. Join us every three weeks for new episodes. Within those three weeks of our big episodes, there will also be short surprise episodes scattered in there that you will not want to miss. So be sure to subscribe, review, and share. This is how you can help support our podcast and would mean the world to us as we grow through this journey of building a new podcast and especially a new podcast in business. Join us for the next episode, which will be on what every resume should include. This will be with my co-host, Angela Orion, Chief Marketing Officer, Director of Human Resources and Internal Operations and President of a nonprofit organization. She brings a different perspective than I do and can really give us an inside knowledge of what every resume should include and what recruiting managers are looking for so that you make it to the top of the pile in your job search. Stick around for special guests as well. We will be 
interviewing other successful women in business where they share their stories and advice that we can apply into our careers today to help us also grow our career. If you want to reach out, please don't be a stranger. We absolutely love hearing from our listeners. You can find me on Instagram at balancedinpink or email balancedinpink at gmail.com. If you are interested in being a guest speaker for us, please reach out again. Just email me at balancedinpink at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you guys later.